your father's heart for you. Your father's heart for you. I want to give you three words, and this is not an exhaustive list, but just three words that are true of your heavenly Father's heart for you. First word, loyalty. Loyalty. Second word, strong. Strong. Third word, kind. Kind. There is no dagger that cuts any deeper, causes more pain than the pain caused by an earthly father who is not loyal to his family. So if we grew up in a home like that, where your earthly father chose another person, chose another family, chose something else over you, and you were left with that void in your life because your father was not loyal to you, then it doesn't matter if you're 40 years old today, or you're 80 years old today, or you're 16, there is a wound that is left, an understandable wound that is left as a result of the disloyalty of an earthly father over you. It can cause us to have all kinds of questions about how valuable or invaluable we as a person really are. If I wasn't worth wanting to be with, then I must not be worth very much. It can cause us to have an amazing distortion of the heavenly Father's kind of heart when all we've been able to see and know when the name Father, the word Father comes up, is what happened to us and what we didn't have. I want to say just a few things along that line. And the first thing is this. The presence of Jesus in a life more than makes up for the absence of an earthly father. Amen. The presence of Jesus in a life more than makes up for the absence of a father in your life. I want to show you, 
if you would, turn with me to a couple of spots in the, in the Scripture. One of them is in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Early in the ministry of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats lying on the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to push out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began to teach, teaching the multitude from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master or sir, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Here's my question. Where was Simon Peter's earthly father when this happened? Where was James and John's earthly father when this encounter with Jesus, this blow your hat in the creek incredible display of the power of Jesus personally impacting Simon Peter's life. Where was his earthly father? There is no mention of his earthly father. In other words, and that's true again and again and again, it is the exception rather than the rule that it is even noted whose son the men were or whose daughter the women were. It was all about the Lord picking and choosing that one right there. Whether there was an earthly father active, inactive, present, or absent did not matter at all in terms of Jesus choosing. The presence of Jesus in a life is far more impactful and important than the presence or the absence of an earthly father. 
You are not held back from the favor of God because your earthly father may have left, abandoned you, represented everything that was not right, everything that would be anti-God. You're not kept from being chosen by the Lord. You're not kept from being used as a powerful instrument for his glory. In fact, it may be, and this can be tough to swallow at some point, but it, it may be that the Lord in his great mercy, and sometimes his mercy is a mystery. At the time we're going through it and we don't really see it until maybe later we look back, but it may be that God in his amazing, mysterious mercy has kept your life from being harder by keeping from the setting of the home and a day-to-day encountering situation, your earthly father, so that all of the junk and all of the misery and all of the confusion and all the wrong that is embodied in that creature, you're not having to live with, you're not having to deal with, and the Lord has spared you some suffering. But folks, that doesn't mean that we don't all want a daddy. That doesn't mean that we don't all want a father's companionship and want a father's approval. Now, with that being said, in John chapter 1, and I think it's verse 18, this is said about Jesus. No man has seen God at any time The only begotten God, that's a synonym for Jesus, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Jesus has explained the Father. If we want an understanding of the true Father's heart, the true heavenly Father's heart, then we need look no further than into the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus became visible. He was God before. God as a man, but God in a man's body. And he came for the purpose, folks, of explaining, making it possible for human beings to understand the heart of the Father. A pertinent question could also be asked, well, how do you come to know God as your father? How do you have a relationship with him as your father? That is directly and specifically answered in John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, as received Jesus, who embraced, accepted as their own, made their own Jesus. To these he gave the right to be called the children of God. That every human is a creation of God. But every human, according to that verse, is not a child of God. The ability to be a child of God is conveyed only along the corridor of a relationship with Jesus Christ in faith, and then he, therefore, on the basis of that, has the ability 
to confer sonship and daughtership upon the children. With that being said, as a son, as a daughter of the Lord, what kind of father do we have? And I'm going to tell you, say it one more time, your real father, who knew you before your mother and dad ever knew that your mother was going to be carrying you for nine months, your real father who picked you out, chose you, desires to draw you unto himself, he is loyal, he is strong, and he is kind. I want you to go with me to Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Luke chapter 15. I know sooner or later, it seems like about every month or so, or sometimes less than that, we, we, we end up in Luke chapter 15. It's because it's a, it is so fascinating, and it is so rich with heart. It just, it just percolates with the passion of God's heart for people. Now all the tax gatherers, 15.1, all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble saying, this man, speaking of Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. The word they use for receive means to receive with kindness and to receive as a friend. Now, who was he receiving kindly and who was he receiving as a friend? He was receiving in that way the ones who were deemed to be in that day the most morally despicable and morally bankrupt of any lifestyle or of any profession on the face of the earth at that time in the mind of many of the ones who were contemporaries of Jesus at that time. Tax gatherers, they had sold their souls to Rome, the occupying government in Palestine at that time. They were Jews. They were natural-born Jewish men. But for a profit, they had entered into a contractual arrangement with the Roman government to collect the taxes from their countrymen for a set fee. And then whatever over that they could say Rome is requiring of you, but knowing Rome only required here, but whatever's over the top, they kept that's what they did. They were thought of as liars. They were thought of as perverted morally and socially. They were not trusted. They were distinct. The only ones that the tax gatherers could hang around with were other tax gatherers and others under the category of sinners. Amoral, no rules. We do it the way we do it. To hell with what you think. The tax gatherers and the sinners were coming close to Jesus 
to listen to Jesus. It's the imperfect tense of the verb. That means continuous action and pastime. It wasn't just one time they showed up and they never came back again. It seemed like, according to Luke, who was a medical doctor, supposedly, of that time, wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he had an eye for detail. He paid attention to what was going on around, the names of governors, the names of locations. And then this, this guess that he gives, that it looked like to him, every cotton-picking tax gatherer in the whole blooming country was collecting around Jesus. And the tax collector's entourage were there too. And what I'm going to say to you is, what Jesus said and what Jesus faced from those who despised the despicable ones, he faced and he said, because of loyalty to the lost sheep, to the lost coin, to the lost son. Read with me. Both the Pharisees, scribes, began to grumble. This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he, Jesus, verse 3, told them this parable. He made up the story. Jesus created the story to illustrate, to present the Father's heart. But he was doing it in a way that the despicables could understand. He was doing it in a way not so that the, the Scripture-quoting crowd would be impressed with his handling of passages of Scripture, but it's just so that, that ordinary people, common people, even common sinner people could get this. This is God explaining God. This is Jesus explaining God. So what, look at this first story. What man among you? If he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture in the safe place and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Now that word for rejoicing and again, this is Jesus telling the story. Jesus knew exactly what words he was using. The word for rejoicing is a word that the, the way that it looks, if you see it in the original language, it looks very similar, very akin to the word translated grace. So the scholars will connect the, the rejoicing to, the, to an act of grace. That there's, there's, there's great joy that springs forth when God does something graciously to people. That's one part, but then another, some say that it's tied to a, to a Hebrew word out of the Old Testament. That's, that's the picture of a, of a little lamb that's just busted out of the brush, heading toward the creek, heading toward the tank to get something to drink, sees two or three of his other friends, and they just start jumping and kicking and leaping and frolicking. That little, that's what, Jesus uses that word, pick either one of them as an expression of the grace of God, but as an expression of the absolute delight of God. So that he's just jumping and shouting and in the sense of that, the little animals frolicking, 
that he found the lost sheep. That he found the lost sheep. Ninety-nine safe. It's fine that they're taken care of, but the one that delighted his heart was the one that was lost and now is found. Folks, listen. You can be lost, but still belong to somebody. You, 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 can, you can be lost, but still belong to that is the, That is the common denominator running through these three stories. The woman lost a coin. She lost, in essence, her wedding ring. Turned the house upside down to try to find it because it belonged to her. The son ran away. The son left. But the son belonged to the father in that sense. He belonged to the family. That the owner doesn't negate his ownership or her ownership simply because the sheep went away or because the child went. And Jesus is looking into the faces of the morally despicable with the listening ears of the religious police. And he's telling this story, and in each case, Something has been lost, but it was owned by someone else. In other words, God, God, you belong to the Lord, you despicable tax collector, heathen, sinner, reprobates. You belong to the Lord. You're lost right now. The word there means a place of destruction, a place of waste. A place of death. You're headed down that way right now. But that's not who you are. That's not where you really belong. Where you belong is in the heart of the Father. Where you belong is in the house of the Father. Why? Why? Because he's loyal to you. Folks, listen. It's one thing to have a father who is disloyal, and, and, and he leaves. He just checks out. He leaves. He's disloyal. It's another thing to be a child and to be disloyal to the father. But do you hear this loud and clear? That's what the story of these, of these ones who were listening to Jesus. But do you hear him saying, even when you are disloyal, your father remains loyal to you. You can't outrun his love. You can't go beyond the grip of his mercy. He loves you. Do I need to say that nicer? I mean, I'm screaming and hollering it. I'm not mad. I, it, it's, but there's so, do you get the strength in that? In, in, the, in the divided house Jesus is sitting in, and it's like he could care less what the religious police, they could spit and stomp and slap the wall and say bad things about him to each other. It doesn't deter him one bit from continuing on with the story. The God in heaven, the true Father, loves you, knows where you've been, knows where you are, and he understands that's not who you are. That's not where you belong. And so with the sheep, the shepherd heads out to find that hard-headed, knuckle-headed sheep. Shepherd could have said, 
He ain't there. And just kept on walking. I looked for him. No, that wasn't looking. Jesus specifies he went out and searched until he found him. Folks, aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that when we weren't looking for him, when we weren't looking to come back, we weren't looking, he came after us. And he sent somebody into our lives. He woke us up in the middle of the night. We heard a song on the radio. Something happened. And our hearts registered true north all over again. Opposite direction of where I was headed. I'm going home. I'm going home to my father's house. Or what woman... If she's lost ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully night, carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, here's Jesus. I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, one sinner who repents. Just a little brief working definition of this word to repent, the little verb to repent. It it, it means literally to know after, to know after. What it means is that there are some things that we are only going to really know and fully realize after we've been through something. Now, the context is repentance means a regret accompanied by a true change of heart toward God. Repentance, a true change of heart toward God. But catch this. The word carries with it the idea that the change of of a heart toward God is going to come after I've been through something. Come after I've seen something. I've heard something. Story of the boy. The Lord uses, and we'll look at this a little bit more next week. He came to himself, Jesus said. He finally came to himself. I'm sitting here feeding the hogs. I don't have a friend because I don't have any to buy, any money to buy a friend. He came to himself, Jesus said. And he said, I'll go home. I'll go back to my father's house. And I will let him know that I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against him. Why didn't he say that before? (laughs) <laughs> he had saved himself a loss of his inheritance. You know, saved everybody a bunch of grief. If he, had just, if he had just seen that before, but he didn't see it before. The father, symbolic, symbolic of, the, of the heavenly father, the father knew for that boy to come to his senses, for that boy to have a change of heart toward God, he was going to have to go through what he determined he was going to go through. Give me what's coming to me. I'm out of here. 
would spend all of his inheritance on riotous living, prostitutes, etc., etc. And then when he ran through all of that, and Jesus, in telling the story, came to himself, and he begins to speak from a changed heart. What changed him? He had to lose every red cent. He had to realize what it feels like when you don't have any friends. When it's not your home turf, you're in a far country. He had to go through in order to get to where he needed to be. Do you, it, it, the loyalty of God to still love us, to still have desire for us, even though he knows that we're going to have to go through some things, we choose to go through some things that are going to bring us to the point of destruction, lost, lost, that apalumai, that specific is a powerful Greek word. It means destruction. It can even mean the verge of annihilation, ruin, decay, rot, death. I was lost. I was on the verge of destruction. Then it came to me. This is not who I want to be. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you, Father. I'm coming home. Folks, you may have not had a father who was there for you. He, he, he may have left, and, and, and that, 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 that aching cavern in your heart even to this day, some consequences of it can manifest itself from time to time. Not all of us necessarily have grown up in homes exactly like that. But I'll tell you what we have grown up in as we've lived our lives. We have found ourselves in a situation even after we have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Even after he has won our hearts, well, we have found ourselves in some situations where we premeditatedly, with a, with, a, with, a, with a heart that was just determined to go away from, to go away from, like, like that, that sheep wandering away, somehow got off out there and lost from the rest of everything else. Others even more, more of a caustic attitude like the, like the son leaving to the father, giving, saying to the father, I want what is mine, I want it now. And he left. We have all, to some degree or another, been that kind of child. But we're here this morning. We're in this room this morning as a testimony to the fact that he was loyal to us even in our disloyalty. How does he love you? He loves you with loyalty. He loves you with a loyal kind of love. He's not fickled. He's not going to stop loving you and start loving some other family better. He's not all of a sudden decide that my life, got to live my life for myself. You'll just have to fend for yourself. He said, I've written you across the palm of my hand. You're as the apple of my eye. I chose you. Before the foundation of the earth, I chose you because I wanted you. I don't have any stepchildren. They're all adopted children. 
adopted because I wanted them, adopted because I see potential in them, adopted because I want to be there for them and take them into their future. Loyal, loyal. Sweeten it up, preacher, sweeten it up. I'm trying, I'm trying. Loyal, loyal to you. You read the stories of Jesus again and again and again and again, and that theme comes out. The love of God that will not let me go. Far country, wasted, blown, not wanting to look in the rearview mirror to see where you come from, and then a song comes on the radio. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saves a wretch like me. You're listening to a country music station out in the far country somewhere, and all of a sudden an Alan Jackson or somebody comes up with something. Last thing you thought you'd ever hear, but when that comes up, it pierces your heart. You know what's piercing your heart? <laughs> it's the loyalty of God for you. He loves you, and he knows where to find you. And he's wanting you to come home. Wanting you to come home. Wanting you to come home. The Father's heart for you. Loyal. Strong. And kind. We'll talk some more about those other two next week. Would you bow your heads with me, please, for prayer? Anybody in this room have a hole in your heart from the absence of your earthly father? Anybody in this room carrying the the damage to your own sense of healthy self-confidence, thinking that you could do something, that you can amount to something, that it's worth a shot to try. You suffer there because of the disloyalty of an earthly father. If that's you, I, I want to, with our heads bowed, and those of you that are a part of the, the streaming services, I, I want you to do the same thing if it's in your heart to do. I want, if that is you, would you just take your hand, take your right hand, and just put it over your heart with our heads bowed and in the place of prayer. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus to give us the ability, to give to us the ability to let go of our earthly fathers, to release them from the things that they did, said, or didn't say, because they just weren't there. Lord, we need your help to help us to forgive them, to release them, 
It may have been 40 years ago, 60 years ago, a year ago. Help us, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that in the very place where the wounds that our earthly father has caused us, in that very place, you will fill that place up with the love of our true father, with the love of Abba Father. We'll know deep in our souls that we're not a loser, that we're not just a piece of junk, that we're not just a nuisance, but that we were picked out by you because you saw us coming and you saw something in us that delighted you and you desire us. Lord, would you put that knowing in us? Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you will cause that to be rich and real and to fill every crevice that the wounds had formerly caused, but now your presence is filling every part of that. So what used to be empty or used to be painful, it came from a place of having been rejected or disloyalty. Oh, Lord, by your Spirit, fill up that spot in our hearts knowing your loyalty, knowing your chosen determination to stay with us and be in us through all the days of our lives and beyond. Grant it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just say this to men. Guys, we can think, well, you just got to cowboy up through this stuff. Got to man up. Happened a long time ago. That's just the way my dad was. You, you can ride that pony and play that shallow game if you want to. But God knows the woundedness of a fatherless child. God knows the depth of that kind of hurt. And he knows who you could be and who he wants you to be once you come into the understanding that you are not the product of your father's rejection or your father's disloyalty. You can become the product of your heavenly father's love for you. And to let it in. Your wife can't get it for you. You have to do it. Lord, will you help me to be able to release the man? Help me to be able to forgive him. And then, Lord, I don't even know what this looks like. I don't even know what this means. Totally, but I'm asking you to fill the part in me that has been infected by that wounding for all these years. Pray that prayer. Seek that from the Lord and just see what happens. Just see what happens.
Just see what happens. You are not a fatherless child. You are not. Well, let's stand together, please. And our prayer partners will come and join me here. And if we can pray with you, we can talk with you about anything that's going on in your heart. We'd love to do that. Especially at that point of understanding that it all starts by receiving Jesus Christ into your heart. It's not by sitting in a church pew. It's not by giving money. It's not by knowing Christian people. You, individually, making the choice. But to as many as received him, to receive Jesus, his death for my sins, his burial, his resurrection. He gives the right to be called the children. God. Loyal. Loyal. Even when we are disloyal, he's loyal. 